Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending July 2nd, 2020. I'm Laura Bardowick, and I'm joined by Senior Portfolio Manager of U.S. Equities, Megan Roach. Good morning, Megan. How's it going so far for you today? Good morning. Very good. So, Megan, I thought we could touch on a number of stories today. First, if you could highlight some key takeaways from economic data releases from this week before maybe providing some updates around covid and then delving into new policies that investors should be aware of before finally wrapping up with any reaction from equity markets to all this news. Does that sound good to you? Sounds good. Perfect. So first, why don't we dive into any relevant highlights from economic data releases this week? Sure. Um, Despite the short week, it's actually been pretty busy on the data release calendar. So to start, we had news of manufacturing activity around the world, which was broadly positive. Uh, Purchasing manager indexes in about 10 different countries showed improvement relative to last month. At the aggregate global level, that put the manufacturing index improving from 42 to nearly 48. While we still need a reading above 50 to indicate expansion globally, there were several countries that crossed that threshold in June, including China, France, the UK, and Canada. Within the US, on a slightly different measure, the ISM Manufacturing Index did jump above 50 as well for the first time since before the pandemic. On the employment side, we got releases this morning that the US exceeded expectations by adding 4.8 million jobs in June, and that the unemployment rate fell from 13% to 11%. Importantly, the overwhelming majority of those respondents, nearly three quarters uh, of displaced workers, are still self-reporting that they're only on temporary layoff. And then third, we got some good news on consumer confidence and activity with new home sales showing a sharp rebound from April to May, up 44%. While the volume is still a 5% decline from this time last year, the monthly increase does indicate that the typical boost of home buying activity in the springtime is likely to have just been delayed rather than permanently canceled. On the consumer confidence side, we had a consensus beating reading uh, rebound of over 98. This compares to a 20-year high of 132 in February versus a historic low of 85 in April. So we're clearly seeing an improvement, but it's reasonable to assume that this will remain heavily impacted by the uneven path that we seem to be on for COVID containment and the economic reopenings. You know, that's actually a great segue. Why don't we talk about COVID? Any updates there? Sure. As many of our listeners will have known from the news, uh, the U.S. has witnessed an increase in cases and hospitalizations over the past couple of weeks, including spikes in key states like Texas, Arizona, California, and Florida, which has led to the reinstatement of some restrictions and closures. Also, as our colleague Kara shared last week, a higher infection rate does impact human behavior, where individuals are likely to limit their own mobility, and we've already seen evidence of that, regardless of whether local governments impose specific restrictions. So until people feel personally safe, uh, we could see a slowing or derailing of the improvement in confidence and activity that we saw in the data this week. Let's go ahead and pivot to policy updates. Anything there that you can highlight for us? Yes. uh, This week, uh, both in the U.S. and Germany passed votes to add stimulus measures this week. In Germany, a cut to the value-added tax from 19% to 16% was approved through the end of the year. And in the U.S., both the Senate and House voted unanimously to extend the small business lending program just as it was due to expire. Additionally, we had Fed Chair Jerome Powell testify before the House Finance Services Committee. 
He noted that we have entered an important new phase and that we've done so sooner than expected, but that the path forward for the economy is extraordinarily uncertain. He reiterated that the Fed remains strongly committed to using their existing tool set to, one, provide stability, second, to ensure that the recovery will be as strong as possible, and three, to limit the lasting damage to the economy. So there's clearly been a lot going on this week. How have equity markets reacted to all of this information? Yeah, so despite the more recent news uh, of resurging COVID infections leading to some states reversing or pausing their reopening plans, equity markets performed quite positively this week, up nearly 4% globally. Additionally, uh, it's also noteworthy that Tuesday brought the end of the second quarter, which was really a record breaker in both speed and magnitude of a positive rebound for equities. A few notables uh, were that the tech-heavy NASDAQ rose 30% this quarter, its best since the fourth quarter of 2001. The S&P 500 rose nearly 20%, its best since the fourth quarter of 1998. And the small-cap Russell 2000 index rose 25%, its best since the first quarter of 1991. So with all of that in mind, and despite the head spin that the daily headlines can put us all in, the second quarter has certainly ended up being good news for investors who maintained and hopefully rebalanced back to their strategic asset allocation following the first quarter. While our expectation is that there's less asymmetry in the upside versus downside scenarios for risky assets than what we were seeing a few months ago, We do remain positive on the U.S. and global cycle as we expect the recovery phase to deliver healthy, non-inflationary growth over the medium term, given the continued commitments by policymakers around the world to help citizens and investors weather this storm. Well, it's nice to see that there is some silver lining to all of this. That's all the time we have for, but Megan, thanks for the insights and thank you all for joining us. And happy belated Canada Day and Independence Day for all of our viewers joining us from North America.